Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, Rockstars? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with a fantastic conversation and a little bit of a controversial one. My guest today is Simon Lamy. He is the founder of a marketing business called The Brain Wheel. Uh, He's also the writer at Science of Getting Chosen, and he has uh, some very controversial things to say. I love this episode. I came across Simon, I think, on LinkedIn and then led me to a blog post that he wrote on this topic. And uh, we talk a little bit about what what's really going on on social media, which is that when you dig into the numbers for most brands and companies, 90% of their sales don't come from any the people who are engaging with their stuff on social media. Very, very counterintuitive. Now, there is an exception to that that we go into, um, and, and you can take advantage of that exception to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. But we talk a little bit about um, what do we do in this world where most of the stuff that we put out on social media, the people who are engaging are not the ones that are going to end up writing us a check. It's the people who actually don't engage, the ones that are not visible, the ones that are harder to track. Those are the ones that end up usually writing us a check. And how do you deal with that? So we talk a little bit about what a fame channel is and why every entrepreneur and small business owner needs one. We talk about the difference between owned, earned, and paid media. And when you make that transition from owned media over into earned media, what does it take, right? How do you know that you have a message that actually attracts earned media? Because then once you have that, then that's what you pour fuel on the fire in the form of paid advertising or paid media. And so we have, we talked through that framework a little bit and why we tend to try to skip that section of the earned media and go right from having our own platforms and then paying for advertising to grow our email list, which I see a lot of people in our space doing and losing a lot of money doing, right? And so Simon talks a little bit about why you always lose money on advertising on the front end and how that can turn around. But if you have the right message, it makes it a lot easier and you actually don't have to lose money on advertising in the short run if you have the right message. We also talk about how the most meaningful stuff in a marketing campaign isn't easily measured. And we talk about why that is and how to fix it. So uh, this is a really, really interesting, very in-depth conversation about what it really takes to market and grow a business. And so if you're a business coach or a consultant, or if you're an agency who serves that crowd, this is an incredible conversation. You're going to want to pay very, very close attention. Uh, Simon is much more uh, into leading the latest uh, research, the scientific research on, on the numbers and the metrics of marketing and what's actually working versus what people say is working online. And that's very, very important distinction because often those are two very different things. So I'm excited uh, for you to, uh, to jump into the conversation. A little background on Simon. Uh, he came out uh, college, went right into working for a big, big agency, Saatchi and Saatchi in London, worked with a ton of big brands, then moved into strategy roles with smaller companies and now is completely independent and works with more of the entrepreneurs and small business owners. So he's literally run the gamut, working with the biggest brands in the world to now small independent people where he can make more of an impact. Um, but he is a marketing strategist, a ton of experience. Uh, I love the way that his brain works, uh, which makes sense as to why he called his business the brain wheel. Uh, and he's 
building a community that you can get involved in to stay on top of the latest research and get feedback, uh, real feedback on your marketing campaigns and real insight on how you can improve them. So I love his approach to things. So like I said, I'm excited for you to jump into the conversation. So let's jump right into it with Simon. Simon, officially welcome to the UX podcast. Mate, thanks very much for having me on here. It's really good to be on. Thanks. I know. I'm, I'm, I was super stoked for this conversation ever since I first I came across your stuff and then we ended up connecting and having a really good chat. Um, but I want to uh, uh, just give people kind of an idea. You've been through a really interesting transition. I went through that in the intro. But just tell me a little bit about the lifestyle that you enjoy now and maybe a little bit of the behind the scenes thinking of why you went from serving bigger brands, which I as an agency owner feel the pressure to do. And people have told me, hey, go out and start selling to bigger companies and make more money. You went, you started off in that world and then went to the world that I'm in where we serve entrepreneurs and small business owners who are growing their business. So why did, what was that choice behind? What was the, the logic and the thinking behind that choice? And what's your lifestyle like now? Sure. So the first one, the reason I did it, it was partly because of having, having a bit of meaning actually in, a, in making sure that what I did counted. So mm -hmm. typically I, you know, I started off in London, a bit of a name dropping thing. You know, I worked for Saatchi and Saatchi ad agency for a bit. And then I went to, I, then I, I quit there after about two and a half years and I just wanted to get out and talk to customers and I worked for big brands and market research groups and you got to speak to customers and you really heard firsthand what they thought about a brand, what was good, what wasn't good about it. Hmm. And I really liked that. And then, and then I stepped away from talking to customers so much and I went and did a lot of work for digital agencies, like building websites, social media campaigns, a lot of content marketing. And I think it's the bigger the brand, I just felt the soul was kind of going out of it or rather I didn't feel, feel it yeah. so much. But when you, you know, when you, when you're writing like a PowerPoint, like I did a lot of strategy. That was a real focus mm -hmm. of the past 14 years. But whenever I did a strategy presentation, the words count, but, they can a little bit because the final product at the end and what goes out to see to consumers isn't you, your words aren't on the ad. Let's mm. put it that way. You don't see huge amount of your effect. So every word you put on a slide or any piece of advice you give, you, know, you don't see the direct effect because it's all hidden in a big corporate machine and there are lots of teams and things get lost. So uh, the big, the, the cool thing is that when you work with smaller businesses with entrepreneurs as well, you get to see the effect straight away. So, I mean, as, as we were saying, you know, chatting earlier, but, you know, I'm now running my community. I have, I deal with people one-to-one -one on the side via WhatsApp and email as well, and also face-to-face, -face, but you can, you recommend some copy to change on a headline and then literally in seconds later, they'll change it. And mm -hmm. I had a, I had somebody say, oh, you just got me three customers. All I did was change this piece of copy. And it's lovely. It's a really nice thing. But before, like, it just didn't see that impact. And, you know, it's, it's so much more meaningful. Um, yeah. That was it. I mean, there, there was a second part to your question, which was like, oh yeah, about um, the lifestyle. Yeah, the lifestyle, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, the lifestyle is, I mean, I wouldn't say the, the workload has got any less. In fact, <laughs> it's got more. It's got more. It's got crazy. So, um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's in a nice way. It's like, it's my own pressure. If I don't want to do it, I, I can just, just stop and say, I'm, I don't want to do it. I'm busy. Mm -hmm. I won't have a boss telling me off or threatening to fire me. I mean, well, yeah. And we, and we talked about this before we hit record, so to speak, that, you kind of made the conscious choice. You've gone back and forth between outsourcing everything, getting everything off of your plate. Now you're in a little bit more of a phase where you kind of took everything back. And, and all of that was your choice, kind of experimenting with what you like and what you don't like. And, and I don't know, it sounds like you might be moving a little bit more towards getting certain things off of your plate and just retaining the stuff that you realize that you want to keep. So it's all, it's all just kind of experimenting, it sounds like. Do you know, it is, it is as well. And I think 
I mean, I wouldn't say like, you know, what, what I really like doing more than anything, I suppose, is actually the one-to-one time is the most tiring stuff you can do. Mm. Like dealing with a client. I love dealing with clients, but, you know, one-to-one. But at the end of the day, you're really tired. So if you've got an article to write, a newsletter to do, you know, I'm saying I've got the community going now as well. Um, anything else on top, I've got an event tonight, about 20 people that uh, after this podcast I've got to get in my car drive over there <laughs> and uh, and the thing is on top of consultancy time it is real real brain drain so I think the shift I think dealing with lots of people for me is far more enjoyable and they got that real variety as well which is which is quite pleasing but I mean the lifestyle is, is nice I mean I, you know I was on the train to London a lot and I'm, I still go up and down to London but man it is it is tiring and I've got a daughter and the wife my wife's due the wife sorry that sounds <laughs> the wife the my wife wife. <laughs> <laughs> the wife <laughs> the wife <laughs> she's two twins in like three weeks time so yeah you know I, I need to be around and just just to keep that balance so yeah. I was going to say, your life is not getting simpler. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Richer? <laughs> Richer, yeah, that is, yes, that is true. I'll, I'll um, say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I think the lifestyle component is always interesting because we're trying to, you know, just continually experiment to, to find the balance. Um, I, think, I think you and I are different in the sense that I would rather have uh, like, like really narrow and deep relationships with a smaller group of people. And then that, that includes my team, which is why I try to keep a re- relatively small, in the big scheme of things, it's a small team. Uh, it's bigger than most, you know, starting agency owners have, because uh, I do like to delegate a lot of the operation stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that is one, somebody asked me one time, like, how many people do you want like, like if they were all in, in an office and you had to roll into an office and interact with those people on a daily basis, how, what's the right number? And when I really get down to think about it, it's like under 10, somewhere between seven yeah. and 10. Yeah. So, and that's unique. I don't know if that's an introvert thing or what the deal is. I think that's, that's unique to all of us, but it was a really good, I think it was actually another guest on the podcast that asked me that question. It's one of the questions she asks her coaches and consultants that she helps them kind of construct their business model. I thought that was a really good question. Um, you know, if you tend to be the person that wants a bigger community and you want to be out there and known, I have a client like that. So she has more people in her life, whereas I have, I have less. And I think it just takes some tinkering to even yeah. think to ask that question. Yeah. Do you know, you're right. I mean, I mean, saying, saying that, I mean, I'd have, I'd have a couple of people now I'm paying to, to work for me a bit and hopefully hiring a PR consultant at, like in a few months time to write articles and put them out into the press because, you know, I think so, this is really important. I believe you should need to have a fame channel. You know, a fame like, channel. I like fame that. channel. I yeah. think it's, it's really good because I think everyone's obsessed with, I mean, you know, Facebook ads and quick conversions and you mm-hmm. can get all that stuff and that's good, but that doesn't, always really grow but if you want people more people to know about you and trust you without asking for a sale today you know you have to fame you know definitely up definitely up in london is the big word in the ad agency like yeah. the more fame the more you can get into the press from having a controversial message you know you need a message that's different and stands out first before you start spending money on consultants or whatever you want you know pr consultants to spread it yeah holy cow that's so true um but you need a fame up? channel to put it through yeah fame channel i like that um so before we jump into, uh, yeah, who was it? That, I think it was Al Reese that said something to the effect of great brands are not launched with advertising, they're launched with PR. And you give yeah, a bunch of examples. Exactly. Yeah, and so I think that we lose sight of that. We, we, mm-hmm. we see a lot of the advertising 
the shiny object stuff and we want to do what the big brands do because we think that's mm -hmm. what works. And he pointed out and had a bunch of examples of how usually it's the opposite. Usually the more we see them advertising, it's a sign that something has gone very, very badly because uh, they're not getting, they're not getting earned. Maybe. So, so take me through the stages real quick. We talked about, you know, uh, like owned, earned and paid. And then yeah. I want to get into some of the stats that, that you and I originally chatted about. But what's the difference between those three, especially as it relates to those of us that are building kind of our own, our own pirate ship out here. We're not, we're not a big brand. We're not intending to be a big, big brand necessarily. So what do we need to know about those three types of media? Yeah, sure. So I think the most important thing is generally you, you tend to go through owned, earned and paid in a, you know, in kind of a step-by-step -step way, or you should do owned is like, you know, you write a blog post, you put it on your, on your blog and there you go, or a podcast, it can be your own podcast. That's fine. But it's actually when you start to host it somewhere else. So say if you write an article, not, that's not just on your blog you write an article for a third party so like marketing week in the uk or something like that or entrepreneur you know dot com or something like so that. so that's the dividing line between owned and earned right yeah exactly so that's one way you're publishing somewhere else mm -hmm. i mean you you it, there is a slight crossover if you do publish something on your own blog and then it goes viral and other people sure. share it that starts to become earned you know you're earning it for free mm -hmm. um and when the press starts to pick up on it and i think when you if you can get something into the press, the earned side of it, that and it can spread really well. That means you've got a really good message. Yeah. I think, and when when you've done that, I, that's the third stage: is put money behind it, uh, put yeah. advertising behind it, because you know you've got a winning horse. So I, I say, like you know, if you go down to the the races, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't bet, bet on a three legged horse, would you? So <laughs> you've got how to put a head horse. So funny you say that. Yeah, I just finished the book Horse Sense. Um, yeah, but that, that's, that's really, really good. Man, we, everybody I run into in my world, in the entrepreneurship world, especially in coaching and consulting, wants to skip the earned media step and go from owned to paid. And yeah. you're so right. They, they don't pay enough attention at the earned stage, which is really the vetting process. It's essentially yes. like it's a vetting for whether they actually have a clear and compelling idea. And I hadn't drawn that that distinction yet but man that's really good like if you don't if you don't if you can't get somebody else to write about your point of view you don't have something unique and controversial enough to say and putting more money behind it won't fix that yeah it's, it's exactly exactly it's, it's like a sticking plaster right because if you if you put advertising money behind it as you said oh you know it just it's papering over the cracks of something that's yeah. not quite right so i uh, the, the problem is is that you can just log on to facebook ad manager you know in seconds upload your ad very quickly and then off you go and it's no wonder that it take you tend to lose money first i think with advertising before you make it um, it's, and because there's a big learning process about what's the right copy, what's the phrase unicorn content, you know, you work out what's the unicorn post, the post that's going to mm -hmm. really stand out, get people's attention. It takes a while to get to that stage. But I think the, you know, as you were saying, you have to have that message first of all, that is going to get, um, is going to get noticed. So I think having, um, when you like, as I was saying, I, I can't, I don't have the time to write, to, to call people. Uh, and get into the press, for example. Uh, but I, I need a PR consultant who's got the contacts and he's got the reach because that is one thing I'm prepared to outsource as well because that's that's fine. 
But that's but, uh, because you, you have to, something controversial to share, which is what we're going to get into, exactly. right? You've already exactly. figured out, yeah. you have something to say yeah. that grabs people's attention. So now the only issue is, okay, well now I need that conduit of relationships and connections to just mm -hmm. get that message in front of the right people. That's the part I want to go into now. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause you're, you're a self-proclaimed uh, marketing geek, marketing nerd, uh, where, whereas I'm, I devour books all the time, but what I don't do is I don't read the studies and you're, you really dive deep into the the marketing studies and, and the research that's being done, especially neurologically and, mm -hmm. and just the actual results of real campaigns and stuff. So there was a post on your, on your blog about the Nielsen brand effect study that was done a few years back. And it had a really, really interesting and controversial conclusion, which I'll, I will read very shortly here. So, so here's uh, here's the way you put it in the blog post. Uh, another example of a large social media campaign found 90% of their sales came from people who didn't actively like, comment on, or share their social media campaign. That means that only 10% of sales came from people who actively engaged with their posts. But the people who saw the posts yet didn't engage drove 90% of the sales. So super counterintuitive. There's a lot of research in that study to back it up that you've, that you've dove into. And you, you also mentioned that you hear this like anecdotally behind the scenes from people that are actually running ads and running real social media campaigns. So this is not, this is no surprise to you. You see this every day. Yeah, it, it, it is no surprise. Um, I think the reason is, is that when, you know, say I keep using Facebook, it's an easy one. When you scroll through, <laughs> you scroll through your feed and you might watch something, but and it might go into your head and you think, okay, I remember that brand, right? You, a, lot, a lot of ads are by now, but some aren't. But the thing is you can scroll through your feed and then you can think, okay, I remember that. But you don't have to click like, you don't have to click comment or share. You know, you sit in front of a TV ad, you can still, you passively engage. Most engagement is passive, mm -hmm. but what, fa what Facebook records, what we record over the data is only 10% of the meaningful stuff. Most meaningful stuff can't be measured that easily. Uh, mm -hmm. You need to pay people like um, they're called econometricians to do it, and they cost a lot, a lot of money, and they can. <laughs> <laughs> they're very, they're, they're it's proper nerd territory, which I don't even understand. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, expand on that just a little bit. The most meaningful stuff either yeah. can't be measured or is very difficult to measure. What do you so? What do you mean by the most meaningful stuff? Sure. So the meaningful stuff. So for example, if you invest in say some. I'm trying to think. Say so you had radio ads, but radio ads aren't local radio ads in particular aren't that expensive compared yeah. to what they could be. But say you invest in radio advertising, still an extremely effective medium. It's not. It's not just about online. In fact, there are stronger ones. Believe it or not, <laughs> there really are. But if you invested consistently in the right way with doing radio ads of say one one a day or one every few days, you wouldn't necessarily be able to see how much traffic that drove to your site within that month. But if you were patient, you really see, see the return after three years. Mm. Uh, and you can't measure that so easily. With Facebook advertising, for example, if you did, uh, say, an awareness piece, you could get see how many people downloaded your content or your free ebook or whatever it might be or clicks through, click throughs to the site. But you can't measure, or it's harder to measure rather, how many people saw your ad but didn't take an action but did think of you say a month later or three months later you can't attribute that you can attribute a click but you can't attribute a memory so easily mm -hmm. so people might think when they are ready to buy and they don't necessarily click you can't and say they see the ad on day one and then on day you know uh, and then five months later they decide to visit your website 
it's very difficult to attribute that. So it's usually the last click that gets the attribution, but actually what's the first thing that happens? What happened months before? And the, mm -hmm. the problem is, is that because things can be easily measured, you think that, okay, with Facebook advertising, you, you or any online advertising, you can measure the click and you think, great. But the problem is, is when you're trying to grow a brand and trust in people, there's, there are some fantastic channels. TV is by far and away the best one, no matter what Mr. Vaynerchuk says. Oops, <laughs> dropped. But it is still, it is still, it is still by and far, I, there's so much overwhelming evidence. Mm. That's the same. Um, you, 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 unless you invest in a great, um, a great channel to build your brand, um, you know, you're, you're not going, when you ask for a sale, it becomes so much easier to get a reaction from people. If you're just asking for sales or click through to my site and I'm going to bash you with some sort of webinar that's going to you know, have a timer and a countdown and buy now, you're just going to be rushed into the sale. There's no earning of trust. Yeah. So that's a real problem. And you're always going to be chasing new customers. So in terms of getting, you need to invest like a pension. You need to think of it like a pension. Invest in, in into a brand channel like a pension and a brand channel. Podcasting is great because if you can spread it to the right people with with a wide enough reach, you can build trust. People can hear your voice. You know there, mm. there and then. You know YouTube videos, for example. <laughs> I think they they can be very you know very strong for brand as well. Um, yeah. You know um, radio is very good. Um, gosh, um, events are fantastic. You know, webinars. I mean, you can really build trust without having to ask people to buy now. Yeah, you can sign up to newsletters. Fine, but. You can't ask people too early. So, um, yeah. So knowing that, so you, you've got the progression from like owned to earned to paid. Mm -hmm. So one of your conclusions is that you really, like we spend a lot of time like twisting ourselves in pretzels and, and fought like hanging off of every word that Gary Vaynerchuk says. Mm -hmm. It's really all in an effort to get our message to spread without us really having to pay for it your view is as long as you have the right message, you're better off paying for it. And that should be the strategy essentially right from the get go um, that every business it's actually better for you in the long run to pay for your traffic. As long as you're putting the right message in front of them. Do I have, do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, he, I know Mr. Gary V says he's, you know, he, he does advocate paying, you know, spending money on Facebook and advertising. So that's, completely agree but i think yeah you have to get the message controversial first mm. because you know you can't just stick a, a click funnel on the end of your product and expect revolutionary success that's going to sustain a business for 10 or 20 years yeah. you can't stick a facebook ad and expect revolutionary success you know you have you have to craft something that's wonderful first and then it will travel a bit so you know then it will travel so much easier the mm. best marketing is the best product i mean it's yeah. you know so you have to have to work hard. And it, the, the problem is, is that, and I, I'm very much open and happy to have a very patient growth if I need to be. I'm very happy to be patient um, if I need to be or when I need to be, because you need to keep getting feedback and breaking things down and making things better. Um, you know, and so, I, I met somebody the other day and they make a nice income, nice healthy income. And I said, you, don't, you, you will never need my help because they've always got business. <laughs> they've always okay. got business. They're happy with their income. They're mm -hmm. living a, ni a nice lifestyle because their product's so good. Her pitch was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think, gosh, you know, she was a solicitor and doing very well for herself, but she never has to advertise. <laughs> she just meets a few people and, yeah. that, and that's great. Yeah. Uh, but her product is very, very good. And she said, I know it's one of the best out there. So it's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, so that's the goal. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the patient growth, man, that, that is the toughest thing. Cause a, a lot of the, like once you step into the entrepreneur, small business space, and, and I'm sure it's, you know, we're not the only ones that are impatient. There's plenty of CEOs of huge companies mm -hmm. that also want yeah. growth. Now, now what, what growth is to them versus what growth is to us is where I think the difference is, right? Cause entrepreneurs want, we live in the fantasy world of five, 10, 20 X growth, which there, there's some, there's some unicorns out there that do it once. And we go, Oh, well, I'm smarter than that dude. I should be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, whereas CEOs live in the world of, you know, 10% or something like that. Uh, but there, we do uh, deal with that a lot in the entrepreneur space, mm -hmm. which is that like the goal is, Hey, I want to let's, let's put this on, 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 you know, like we're really ramp this up. Let's, let's get this thing to double. Yeah. And I, I very rarely hear them go, how can we get our clients to get twice as good as the results that they're getting right now? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's very rarely going back to how can we make sure, and, and like you said about the product, it's not that they don't care. It's that, that, it's that we just, we get distracted and we think that the, the way to grow is by focusing on the growth and the new clients mm -hmm. rather than, okay, are, are, are the, the clients that we already have, are they getting results that are so good they can't shut up about us? And when they tell people about us, the other people go, holy cow, I need to talk to that guy right now. Yes. So I, and I've, I've been pressing myself to think more of that way because I, I fall into the same trap that we all do, which is you look at other people doing well and you think, well, I should be able to grow the business faster. And you start mm -hmm. focusing on yourself mm -hmm. rather than focusing on other people. Wow, that's so true. And, uh, and also, you know, I, I, I find that whenever I've looked to other people and you hear their stories about how much money they're making, all it does is make you feel bad mm -hmm. about yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you, you're doing better than someone else and makes you feel better. But all it, what it does is, is, just, is a complete distraction from just focusing on doing a really good job, the one that's in front of you at that point in time. And um, yeah, I mean, I completely, completely agree. I think um, the whole I'm trying to get better as well. I'm not perfect at it in the slightest of just not looking to the left of me, to the right of me and seeing how everyone's doing because people, people don't always tell the truth as well. So that is very true. Uh, you know, people say, Oh, I've, um, what was it? It was my, my mentor. He was talking about somebody he met and he said, um, Oh yeah, somebody has, um, spoke to somebody who's made $35,000 on no $30,000 on a course. That sounded wonderful, but then she revealed subtly, quietly, that she spent $35,000 on advertising. So she made a $5,000 loss. So you might as well stayed at home and saved yourself $5,000 and watched Netflix. I agree. Yeah. In fact, I just talked to a client <laughs> who was reviewing somebody's financials. Um, it, was a big, it was a big team in his space, mm -hmm. and the owner made 90% of the profit from their own sales production. And they spent an additional $2 million a year to make their additional 2.1 million a year. So they, they lost, they lost like a hundred thousand dollars in the year on the, like trying to feed the other people on their team enough leads that they could follow up with. Right. So their advertising costs essentially were so high and then fulfilling yes. the business that they actually lost six figures in a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there is a lot more of that going on than we probably realize until we really mm -hmm. dig in and we get to know people on a personal level and they reveal things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, okay, so just to just to sum up real quick, and then I want to talk about just where where people can connect and kind of get into your community that you're building. Um, so what what would you leave people with in terms of okay? So we understand owned, earned, and paid. Um, let's go back to the paid just for a second and where that kind of fits in. So let's say we we make sure we've got our message first. Mm -hmm. And is, is your ideal that there's always paid advertising going on? Is it something we do in, in spurts? Like, where do you see that fitting in? 
Yeah, I mean, for for me, paid advertising is a choice. It's almost like the last thing you should do out of paid owned. And yeah, as we were saying, so it, it's a choice right now. I'm not going to do it because I'm I'm very happy. You know, I'm happy with the way things are at the moment, and I don't want to plug a horse. I mean, I've got a good horse, but it's not the horse. It's not. Um, it's going to happen about three six months time with. Actually, that's more earned with PR, but paid mm. for advertising. It's you know, it's a job on its own, and I need to hire somebody to do it. I've got to do. I've actually got to do the work to earn the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not spend my whole life promoting, which is no, no interest to me. Yeah. Or very little anyway. You know, so I think the the, the the he says on a podcast, but you know what yeah. I mean. It's yeah, like yeah. you've actually got to do the work that the clients are paying you for. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm just where you pay to get more clients. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the. But, for, but there are people who want to grow quickly. So I've got a, there's a startup who I'm working with at, at the moment who's um, it's got wonderful travel business. He wants to grow incredibly quickly. So he's got to start right from right from the beginning with paid advertising. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, Matt. But um, well, but you, see, you mentioned it's a choice. So you you see it in yeah. terms of it's something that in in because I think you mentioned this on the blog that it really should be part of just the overall mix of the business in terms of consistently bringing new people into your world because you can see the pattern that social media networks, it's mm. free. It gets a lot of attention. You get a lot of reach in the beginning. Yeah. People see your stuff and then mm. tick, 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 tick. Your, your, your reach goes down to next to nothing unless you pay to play anyway. Yeah, and exactly. so I, I see a lot of people and I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily Gary Vee's intention, but the people on the receiving end of the message spend all their time experimenting with platforms, trying to get free attention, free reach, mm-hmm. rather than just working on their message and refining that and really building the right horse to ride. And then yeah. to put that message in front of more people, which to me that this sounds that that's mm-hmm. more of what you're advocating. It's definitely what I'm advocating, um, which I think it was where, where we're, we're very nicely aligned, figure out the horse that you're going to ride and then understand that the best way to ride it is first with earned media, get it out there on other people's platforms and then pay to spread the message don't try to twist ourselves in pretzels trying to get free reach yeah i mean exactly i mean the, you can always do things like writing for yeah the earned thing writing for other people's stuff is a really handy way of just um you know if, if, if testing things out as well um but i think there are some people who just never never need to pay so i mean i know we were talking about closed communities as an exception yeah I think that's a really important exception to have here. So I think, um, you know, certainly see examples. If you have a branded community that genuinely delivers value, as in you are there a lot, you're not off in the distance. You don't just set it up and then just leave it to delegate to someone else. You are there every day helping people out, giving them content that's useful and they can't get outside of that community. And I don't necessarily mean a Facebook group because mm-hmm. you don't you can do it that way and i'm not saying you can't but it's facebook own that platform and they could change the algorithm they could change who sees those group posts you just don't own it and you've got all that content there that if they decide to change the rules then you've lost it you yeah. lost all those lovely members yeah. but if you create a bespoke community there are lovely free platforms like muut.com moot.com there's a there's one that's that's fairly inexpensive that's about 50 dollars a month but there's other platforms like disciple which is a new one it's a startup in london genius really genius really? i wish i could afford it yeah <laughs> it's called disciple love it um and it's a it's a wonderful a wonderful interface for social community as well um and just if you could use a platform like that and then build up customers you can make a lot of your sales through that channel without having to market and the great thing if you're serving content to those people you're getting feedback there and then people asking questions what do you mean how could you go into more detail and then people build more trust towards you and you're 
it, it goes right back to the beginning of this, you know, when we were talking, it brings a lot more meaning to you as the person running your business yeah. because you're genuinely helping people. You're there and then, and there's that wonderful, there's that wonderful meaning. Yeah. Um, you know, the bigger you get, the more distance you get from your customers. Um, That's true. That's true. Man, yeah. by the way, Casper Mattresses, if you're going to find out, check out a brand, I just think Casper Mattresses is one of the yeah, best stories of the past five years. Yeah, yeah. it's superb. <laughs> Hats <Right>. off to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of your community, tell us, like, where do we go to connect? How do we get involved and, uh, and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Of course. Well, literally, this community is about two weeks, two weeks old, and uh, it's called the Brainy Lounge. Um, if you go to www.com, so three W's I said, but yeah, that one, <laughs> www. Uh, it's the brainwheel.com and then go to the, the brainy lounge. And then it's, um, basically it's a, it's a, it's a supportive, um, it's a supportive online community without the sleazy sales pitches. Hmm. So the uniqueness is that it's based on thoughtful feedback and thoughtful feedback. You don't really get from a lot of other communities because the usually, as I was saying, the owners turn up, they might never comment or they leave a couple of lines, but what you want is real feedback on say your sales page or your copy or your piece of content. Yeah. And I really do go to town uh, with that and I give video feedback as well. So oh, it's cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I do. I, rec- I do screen recordings and yeah, I really go to town. So I enjoy yeah, That's it. awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. From talking with my one of my other clients that runs a really good active community, that that is one of the markers. Is she she's very engaged, uh, and then behind the scenes on the main thing that she sells, uh, she started doing more of that. So uh, screen screen shares and and looms and like little screen recordings where she'll break down and help somebody optimize their content. I think that's a good for for those of us that are in. If you would consider yourself a, like a teacher of sales and marketing, that's a great way to do it. Um, because then it gives you an opportunity. You're not just giving somebody a tactical hack. It also gives you a teaching opportunity to to teach them bigger principles. Like, hey, here's why, and uh, here's the thinking behind why I want to tweak the copy in this way, or why you might want to change your landing page this way. It's not just, hey, hey, do this and try it and see if it works. It actually gives you an an opportunity to teach principles, um, which to me is a, a good a good entrance point for people right? Rather than just going high level right off the bat and saying, don't do anything until you learn these seven things about marketing. Like that most people don't think in those terms. They don't want to learn the basics first. They want to build something and then go backward and fix it later. So you might as well work with human nature. So I like the idea of that. So that's at thebrainwheel.com. Uh, I don't want to keep any more of your time because I know you've got an event to run to, but Simon, this was a blast. Uh, I love this conversation. Super, super helpful. Uh, and I think a lot of people get a lot of value from it. Thank you very much indeed. It's a real pleasure to be on. Thanks, man. Cheers, man. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done-for-you podcasting service. That is my agency that I'm building and growing, and I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.